Just let me check my bet slip here. No, no winners. So I guess we're going to have to go on with the Brisbane Football Review for another week. <laughs> it's James Scott and Adam with you here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Scott, how's the hangover? It's fine. Although I've, in my defence with the betting, so I blame Adam because I took his advice. So, oh well, we've got our racing expert <laughs> yeah, here, Adam. Exactly, <laughs> expert. Huh? It was looking good till last year, three hundred metres. But yeah, like, well. I, I backed the winner amongst twelve other horses. So, that, does that make me an expert? <laughs> you, you would think, looking at our raw tips this season, that maybe yeah. we shouldn't have the best advice to follow when it comes yeah. to that. because so. <laughs> we've actually tipped them to win. Although there was one successful yeah, Brisbane name. Third. Yeah, that's true. There was one successful Brisbane name in yesterday's Melbourne Cup with Corey Brown getting a ride. Hold <laughs> <Well> on, <done>, Corey. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you, I'm not sure how that would have been for his hamstring, but congratulations. <laughs> All right, so as much as I would love to keep talking about yesterday, I suppose we should probably get on to Sunday afternoon. I'm going to Corey Brown some more, actually. All right, so Corey. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed, actually, there's been a quite, quite a few jokes in the last... Uh, 12 hours or so about his recovering from his win, including yeah. Jack Hingott and the Raw on Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, so while I just wake up my iPad, let's just talk about the nil-nil draw with the Central Coast Mariners Sunday afternoon. It wasn't the best game, was it? It was boring, wasn't it? Adam? <laughs> I think quite simply, as said on social media, you want a reason why they're in the bottom couple, there's yeah. there's your 90 me exhibit A, because yeah. um, near the team, look, they, they were bright patches, but you know, honestly, you know, at the moment, you got to say that both teams are sort of are well off the pace, you know, compared to the, sort of the top sides in the league at the moment. Central Coast would probably look at it and think if we'd taken our chances in the second half, they would have won the game, but I don't think either side really did enough when you look at it. Well, both sides had chances to win it, it's just unfortunately they weren't able to take it. I think the Mariners had more though, oh, yeah, if yeah. I'm being honest. Well, there was that one from uh, Danny De Silva, which I think he's still probably losing sleep over. Yeah. But um, we'll go back to the start of the game. So a few changes to the side. Jamie Young came in for an injured Michael Theo. That was revealed Saturday some, morning. Saturday morning. And Daningham came in with Luke Devere out. Corey Gramiro, excuse me, Corey Gramiro and Jacob Pepper came onto the bench for Nick D'Agostino and Joe Coletti. So starting lineup. Jamie Young. All that was to be expected, wasn't it? The two changes to the starting lineup would have been, would have were announced in the days before the game, and senior players are back onto the bench ahead of the younger guys. I don't necessarily agree with the two younger guys being left out of the squad, but it's kind of we all kind of expected it to happen at some point, didn't we? Well, Corey Romero, I suppose, if you're looking for name recognition, yeah. starting oh getting him on the bench ahead of D'Agostino yeah. just to sort of freshen things up, you get give him a chance as well after a horrendous run of injuries. Yeah, exactly. And he was probably signed to be that yeah. fourth option in the attack. Look, I think it's also as well that, you know, with the youth league starting up soon, maybe it's you know, time for, you know, the likes of Nick D'Agostino, you know, I was going to say Shannon Brady, but he's still sort of out injured. Um, and the like that, you know, maybe that they're preparing for yeah. more for time, you know, they can get their, their minutes in in the yeah. youth league. They so having are, senior but... guys on the bench playing on, you know, in the A-League, in the A-League squad, maybe that's a sign of the times where they'll go off now and play youth league and really yeah. get their minutes up there. They probably are, but surely those two boys are past that now. I mean, 
the way they excelled last year in the youth league and then in the first team squad. Surely they're beyond playing youth league now. But anyway, that's just me. Mm. I think you could probably debate Pepper for Coletti because yeah. Coletti, yeah, he's been a bit up and yeah. down so far, but that's what a young player will do. He will, you know, Mind need to the... think, I think it might also be versatility. I, don't, I, just, I just don't get a feeling that John will see trust Connor O'Toole, especially in that in that uh, position. So I think having Pepper on there is a yeah. bit of an insurance policy where he can play both yeah. defence and in that holding midfield role. So that, that might be... Yeah. But yeah, I'll look, it's it's a strange one. I'm not... Like I said, we all know how good Coletti has been. I think he's been... I think he's been sort of unfairly sort of, you know, sort of criticised. I think it's I more think because he just doesn't know... generally with, have been. Yeah, actually. so... Yeah, so... Raw, they had the better chances in the first half. Macaroni with the best one to open the scoring, but unfortunately it didn't quite go to plan, did it? Is this the offside penalty thing? Yes. I think he was offside and it wasn't a penalty, so I'm not worried about it. I th- I think based <laughs> I on the... Think it was, I don't think it was a penalty, even if it was on, wasn't offside. I've but... seen that given far too many times to say it wasn't. Look, I think, look, I, Adam, you were watching on TV, I was, so. I, was watching, I was watching on TV, and look, you know, the, thing, the only thing I say is that I know, I'm not sure if people at the ground, or you might have heard it later on, you know, John Wussey absolutely, you know, going nuclear over the whole borderline yeah. thing. This is the reason why VAR, you know, is in a hole at the moment, because had the, and this is where, you know, credit to the on-field officials, because this is the sort of stuff is what will cause a four or five minute delay trying yeah. to figure out. It was close. This is not what VAR is there for. VAR is there for yeah. the absolutely obvious ones of thinking, how the hell can you it miss it? It wasn't obvious, was it? No, not at all. In, in fast speed, you wouldn't, no one would have known about it. No, uh, no look, if, if the, and we're constantly bagging the, line, the linesman for not making a decision, this, the linesman actually made a decision yeah. and good on him. You know, so we want them to make decisions, yeah. don't we? We don't want them to just be relying yeah. on the VAR. We want them to make a decision. Yeah. But they I made think... a decision that turned out to be correct. Mm. So. Well, looking at Aloisi's reaction, that to me screams like a coach that... Desperation. Yeah, he's yeah. just looking for one yep. little break to go yep. his way. And you'd have to think that if that was allowed and the penalty gets awarded, which I think you would have been, re- been able to reasonably expect yeah. that call yeah. to be made... Yeah then, you know, that might... It's also on the back of the last home game where they had one ruled out for... Exactly. As well, so, so It might be a... It, yeah. Well, you know, look, he may, he may have been playing for the next call as well, and, you know, so full well, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, like I said, and, and there was a lot of commentary on social media about about this, but, you know, what I say, for once, you know, good on the referees, that, you know, they made a decision on the pitch and they didn't allow technology to try and, you know... Because that would be that would be a case that they would have been looking for a long time to give a reason one way or another. Yeah, it would have been over over. It would have been longer than the Sydney FC yeah, person. Absolutely, it yeah. was that close. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Fine. I'm glad not to have VAR involved in games. <laughs> <laughs> Seen enough of it. All right, so we're going to move on to the second half. I suppose the biggest chance there would have been uh, Mitch Oxborough passing the ball straight to the Mariners. It was a great pass, wasn't it? Oh, it was a fantastic well, through I mean, ball. I'm not going to slate him for the pass because no. I don't mind players trying to pass the ball around and. Keep possession, but it wasn't the greatest pass we've ever seen. No, but he didn't seem. It didn't seem to shake him. No, he did seem didn't, like no. willing to say, "All right, well, that one didn't go to plan. Yeah. I'll get the next one." We'll, we'll get to I, it. I, well, I hope that yeah. the spray that Jamie Young gave him after <laughs> shook him because he was like to. And look, I looked at yeah. Jamie Young. I thought had an excellent game. Yeah. Yes, and I he, so did. he did everything that was asked yep. of him. Yeah, he did. And um, you compare that Oxburgh to um Goran Pratsky from Wellington when he oh, made yeah. a bad back pass on the Saturday night game, and it, it did seem to shake him for the whole 90 minutes. So, fair play to Mitch Oxborough for just going to get on with it. That's right. And then North had a chance in stoppage time to win it. That was off the corner? Yep. yep. 
you have to forgive me if I seem a little bit out of it. It's been a very busy last few days. <laughs> also, we'll talk about positives. Um, Dane Ingham's defending positionally yep. in the game. I thought he was excellent defensively. I mean, there was a good chance late in the first half when Connor Payne cut the ball back and Andrew Hill would have had a tap in. And, and he managed was... to block the ball, block a pass through him, so it was really good defending. And also, uh, right at the very end, I think it was about the 91st minute, poss- possibly off the uh, Jade North chance, where he sprinted yeah. back, it would have been probably yeah. 70, 80 metres, yeah. to make sure that Andrew Hull didn't have an angle to attack yeah. uh, the goal at. So, look... Good side for him defensively. Yeah, was... we're seeing yeah. the progression for, uh, of Dane Ingham as a fullback, which, look, when you are facing an injury crisis, is what you want to see. <laughs> so... Well done, Daningham. Crowd was 11,485. Kids go free, but I'll tell you what, when you've got a struggling side, yeah. as we've seen in Queensland with all the sports codes... It's also like, a low-drawing team, Central Coast Mariners. They're not exactly a high-profile team with players who are going to draw yeah. people through the gates. Even when, even when you know, because they may obviously making references of, you know, 2011, 2012, and these two clubs were the big clubs... Yeah. You know, as far as success goes, even then they weren't no. high drawing games. So. Those fi- yeah, they were the finals against- drew big crowds. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. That's the yeah. only game 13,000, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I think it was the season opener in October 2012 between these two clubs. I yeah. only got about 13,000, yeah. if my memory serves. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I think it's a pretty good crowd given the circumstances of the weekend. And look, for me, what really stood out on the whole about the game was both sides just seemed so nervous. Like, yeah. I, th- I think they were. Both sides desperately wanted to win, but they were also petrified about what would happen with another loss because, obviously, as we're now seeing, it was nine games without a win across all competitions for the Raw, which is really not great. Look, you can almost say at least, you know, it's it's two games now without a loss. That's that's probably the half-glass-full, you know, approach. But, yeah, look, either way, I think, you know, a win is needed soon. It's more for... I'm not going to say it's season-defining or anything like that, those superlatives yet, but just the, just the confidence. You know, not only did for the players, but also the fans, because there's a lot of fans. There's not much confidence yeah. at the moment if you read social media, and it's completely mm. understandable. Yeah. yeah. But the like, if you are looking for a silver lining, and believe me... Like, <laughs> You've got to look hard for one, but... We are seeing progress in terms of performance, so... Mm. Like in each it's of the not translating into end product, that's the unfortunate thing. No, and that's the thing. Like before, you really sort of start to yeah. buy in on that progress. The results do need to yeah. come. Yeah. Like that's just the way it is. Look, I think in the end, a clean sheet at least. You know, we've been slating the, the the back four for a while. You know, and at least a clean sheet. You know, was that was that part of you know the Mariners are wasteful? Yes, but also as well, it's still a clean sheet. You know, it gives confidence to Jamie Young. Uh, who's, who looks like he'll be, you know, in goals for a couple of weeks at least, yeah. um, and you know, and it goes from there. Defense first, and you build from that. Oh, that reminds me, the Mariners striker Astrobal, what a tool! Like, what did he do? Oh, there was that incident. <laughs> was it in the first half where he went flailing around? Oh, like, yes. Like he'd had a magpie fly into his face or something. Did I miss something? Oh, yes. Yeah, I it did. was the same sort of thing that happened in Week One against the Jets. Mm. That okay. that sort of stuff that's really not going to win any sort of fans yeah, anywhere, no, he's, he's except bit, Italy. He's a bit of an actor. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he, but with that quality of acting, he really should be on Home and Away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I'll take your word for that. I didn't yeah, say it, so... So, what, the Mariners are back at Suncorp Stadium, so as far as I'm concerned, next time he's there, give him hell. <laughs> All right, so the other games in, uh, what was, I'd say, top to bottom, not the most interesting round of A-League action. No, I've seen better. Sydney FC 1-0 over Melbourne City. Back up on top, uh, but obviously there was another big story to come out of this game, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Mm. But um, the game itself, def- deciding goal by Luke Wilkshire. 
Yeah. I think, good, they, all, I think they all forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like the celebration, though, where he was like, look, I can still score. I can still score. I was pointing at his boot. interesting one, because in the run sheet, you've talked about, has this Melbourne City bubble burst? And I'm not sure it has. I just think they've run into a side that Sydney's got their measure. Yeah. I just think the way Sydney play, Melbourne City have a hard time combating that, because... The way Sydney overload the midfield, they just have too many numbers in there for City to be able to win the ball back. So I think they might have to reconsider because they had two guys played with kind of two guys up front. So they yeah, it's difficult for Melbourne City to get the ball back. Well, they've got the other half of um uh, the other half of Sydney yeah, next this week coming yeah, up. Yeah, that'll so be a good test. For look, them I think well. Yo, we we did say he has the bowl burst. Look, I, I like to think that you know Sydney FC, they look like they're on track for you know a tall defence at the moment as much as you know. Yeah. Who's really say. challenging them at the moment? That's yeah, the disappointing that's, thing for me is nobody looks like they're in a position to challenge. Maybe Newcastle. Yeah. Maybe, but that's about it. I don't think anyone else has shown anything to. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to Saturday now. Speaking of that team, Newcastle. Yep. Now, I missed Saturday's games. I was at a wedding. Congratulations, Stewie and Annie, by the way. And thank you for saving me from having yeah, to watch this doubleheader. Yep. yep. So, yep. Wellington are on about the worst 130 minutes of football streak that I can remember. They couldn't pass the ball on Saturday. Oh. Man. They could not pass the ball. <laughs> well, they could Saturday. pass it, it backwards ridiculous. straight to the opposition, but that's about about all. But yeah, no, they're in what yeah. we feared. Has you know, I think it's mm. come. It's coming true where we thought that they were like our, our you know predictions were they were going to be you now bottom at the moment. They keep performing performance like that. They are going to be bottom by a long way because that was they were ordinary. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, they've got so many extra players in there. You mm. kind of want them to do well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or at least those players. Righto's there as well too. Yeah. But with Newcastle, they've really proved a point that you can build a really strong side with experience without going for the older players because look. Jason Hoffman's 28. He's played 150 games in the A-League. Nigel Bugard's 31. He's played 200 games. Ken Rolski's been playing in the league for a decade. You've got Dimi Petrados, Daniel Georgievski. That's all experienced players in the prime of their career. And you mix that in with the young guys they've got. I don't think it's any surprise why they're going and so three, well. And the three names you named at the top there have all through, been through some bad times yeah. at Newcastle. Well. So I think you know, for them, it's, you know, it's just deserves mm. that they go and look at you know, And give credit as well, Ernie Merrick. Yeah. You know, I, thought, I, I was sort of sceptical thinking, you know, or, you know, re- recycling coaches. Yeah. You know what? He's going far at the moment. Congratulations They've to They've built a really good squad there this year. It's no surprise they're going well. Mm. And I think Roy O'Donovan, from yeah. what I was able to see yeah. here and in the past weeks, he's been the pickup of the season. Yeah, he's so one far. of their three players over the age of 32, and he's got seven goals in five games. Yeah. So. But it, it seems like he's just absolutely clicked yeah. in. Yeah. You know, how much of an impact Ernie Merrick's going to have long-term, who knows, but this short-term boost, I think he's had yeah. that pretty much everywhere he's gone. Yeah, he got Wellington to almost the Premier's plate back in 2014-15, and home form cost him. That oh. was the year when victory stumbled mm. over the line. Oh, win, uh, that's to right. win it, but Wellington had it in their hands, so... Yep. He does have that effect on sides in the first year. Uh, and then we've got Perth Glory, 1-0 over Adelaide United, late goal from Andy Keogh. The Reds, though, they're missing six first-team players. Their fitness regime training might be in question here because they had to have a lot of injuries at the moment. But all I keep hearing is how those Absalon- double and triple sessions... Yeah. If you take Absalons out of that team, it's a totally different side. They don't look the same side going forward when it's not there. Yeah, and, and look as well, uh, Paul Izzo had a pretty decent game. He saved the, the Castro penalty... Um, but yeah, they, and also as well, Mitch Malia, you know, for the you know the MPL brigade coming through, he had you know 
Yeah. When he came on, he he was the one that led off the that put the cross in for Keo to head in. So yeah. it's a good good sign that you know you can pick up quality yeah. MPL players, you yeah. know, and forge A-league careers. And he's a good example of a player who had an A-league yeah, opportunity say, and yeah. then went back to the MPL and improved his game. And he seems to be going well in the mm. A-league now. So well done to him. And that's probably that sort of pathway that a lot of these younger yeah. players are going to have to start taking. It, give, it It'll be the hope. sort of player you'd put in a second tier if we ever get one for the for the A-league. Alright, so the final game of the round was Melbourne Victory's traditional Cup Eve game, but this year they were playing the Western oh. Sydney Wanderers. Yeah. And it finished 1-1, and apparently it was a very raucous atmosphere. It, well, like I said, Mel- Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne now on Cup Eve, I think. But On a day it. that I think everyone I know in Melbourne actually took off work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it was, a, it was a fantastic atmosphere. And, they brought know, the seats was, in, didn't they? They did, yeah. It was yeah. the... the, um, that, the that, Formation, yeah, you're yeah. right. That brings in so that they like today. So there was a you know, loud crowd. You know, I know a decent number of Wanderers supporters travel, and it was actually a decent quality game. Yeah, best one of the round, by yeah. yeah. And the Wanderers will be kicking themselves they did not win this game, mm. having ten men advantage for a one man advantage for seventy plus minutes. They and could, could not, have easily been. And a they had a penalty advantage. as well. They could have been two man advantage as well. But and just they had a penalty they could have scored as well. So they'll be kicking themselves they didn't win this game. It's the kind of thing. It's why they're struggling at the moment. They're just not finishing teams off when they've got the chances. They could be way up the table. Mitch Austin with the, the second yellow, though. Whatever suspension he gets for that, he deserves another yeah. one, another week just for the stupidity yep. of picking up the second yeah. yellow there. Yep. Like, why chance it? I know... Like, there'll be for like, referees to call that stuff out for a while. I'm glad it got given. Yeah, exactly. And you know you want to say... You know you don't want referees to make a soft call that will define the match. But, look, when a player's going to be that petulant, they deserve to be sent off. Yep. It's, yep, and they exactly deserve it. Oh, look, you expect Kevin Musket to try and defend, but I think even he knows the back of his mind that it was a dumb, dumb thing that he did. And look, yeah, exactly. He's going he's gonna to have a, a seat in the, in the stands for a week to think about it. And you're right, Mark Milligan was very lucky as well. Mm. But Lenny would have been suspended from two games this weekend. <laughs> oh, that would have, could you imagine if that happened? <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review for this week. It's James Scott and Adam. We're going to take a look at the W League action from the weekend, starting with the first game of Suncorp's doubleheader Sunday afternoon, where the Brisbane Roar went down to Perth Glory 4-1. Now, while the final score looks a little bit ugly, you feel like for the first 60-odd minutes, it was quite an even yeah, contest. They all played quite well in this game, I thought. Mm. I thought they played really well in this game, even when the score only blew out in the last 20 minutes, as you point out. And There's maybe that to be was, positive about it, out of this as well. And maybe that was a little bit down to fatigue and just the fact that they were playing on a freaking hot day yeah. in the sun. Which, they had drinks breaks as well, we should point out. Yes. Um, but we'll start off with the team news. So, Caitlin Torpy and Tamika Butt, one-time podcast guest of the Brisbane Football yeah. Review, came into this side. And Hayley Rasso... Rasso and Norrie are out of the starting team. I can't talk today. Apparently, Hayley Rasso was out as well because of a busy season in the NWSL mm. and they just wanted to give her a break to freshen up. Well, so that makes sense because it seems like it a lot of these sense, players so. have been sort of coming in uh, late off club yeah. duty. And I think we're still yeah. waiting on Emily Gilnick. Yeah, yes. yeah, I think she's either... Well, she's finished commitments overseas. So I think she's either back or... Might, be having, back, so. might be having a quick break at the moment, actually. Yeah, well, I think they're entitled yeah. to that. So, um, yeah, even contest first half hour. And then uh, he'll open the scoring for Perth Glory. Yeah. It was a bit of a goal, almost. It came out of nothing, yeah. this goal. It really did, but... Yeah. Look, trying to find the, yeah. the, the uh, polite way to say it. But yeah, it came out of nothing. Yeah. 
Um, but then it wasn't long before the Raw were able to equalise, though, through a pretty decent free kick from Katrina Gorey. It was, yeah. and a bit of pinball in the box, and captain's there to tap it in. Claire Polkinghorn managed to get in there. There was, there was a bit of um, controversy but about um, sort of Waikiki Chung's involvement in that goal. Oh, it was it outside actually, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think, thankfully, in that case, there was no VAR. That one probably was clear enough. And it was even to conjecture who actually got the last yeah. touch on that as well. So. Certainly offside if it's given, James. Yeah. <laughs> True. But so it was onside. Yeah, so Gary's free kick, also a one-time podcast guest, yeah. uh, straight in, keeper... Spilled it onto the crossbar, pretty much, and Polking almost there to head it in via the deflection off Waikiki Chung. And it seems like uh, I want to say Tamika Butt was there to tap it in had it not gone in, but uh, crossed the line, goalie hit it out, and I don't know, it was all very much a scramble from yeah, our angle. It was a scramble, but it went in. And then, yeah, the glory just managed to overrun them in the second half. Uh, Hill completed a hat-trick, and then Sam Kerr managed to also get a penalty, yeah. which... Sam Kerr could have had a hat-trick on her own, mm. so she had a couple of good chances. Well saved from Mackenzie Arnold, who had a very good game in goal. Yeah, that was one of those it, moments where they did quite well to keep yeah. Kerr as quiet as they did. Yeah. Unfortunately, the rest of the Perth it's, side... It's scary, it's scary to think that, you know, I agree Mackenzie Arnold did have a very good game, but also conceded four goals. But that's... Look, that's yeah. probably the nature of... Look, I honestly think, you know... Rachel Hill, she looks like, you know, we were talking about buys yeah. a season in the A-League. For the W-League, she looks, you know, you know, sensational. And her, her combination with Sam Kerr and also the uh, Costa Rican um, international, um, Rachel Rodriguez as well in there. That That's going to be a pretty formidable front three. Yeah, they've got plenty of talent. Although, oh, I want to go back to the Raw because mm-hmm. we are, of course, a Raw-focused yep. podcast. And I thought Alira Toby running up and down that right wing was a sight to behold. Yeah. She was... Had a couple of good chances yeah. in the second half as well. There were Toby on the counter-attack. Mm, it just seems like it wasn't there. And if we are, you know, looking for a little bit of positives and negatives, Waikiki Chung really needs to work on staying on side. <laughs> yeah, that's a big point for the weekend. Watch a few Archie Thompson videos, I think. <laughs> Michael Misford. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's not no, true. No, no. She's productive not, instead of... We are <laughs> not bringing up that name on this podcast ever again. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> but well, there was a, you know, a lot... There were plenty of encouraging signs, but yeah, there was one moment where I think it was still 2-1 where Gori had the ball and was going forward. Chung peeled off to the left. And I was watching this on replay this afternoon and just she didn't have to get as far forward as she did, but maybe it was a case of somebody maybe not quite backing a pace yet. Maybe. Uh, I think she's still getting used to the team as well. Mm-hmm. But. And look, the you know, other thing I would say about Waikiki is off corners... I was a little bit perplexed as to why she was standing on the outside of the 18-yard box. Now, I'm sure there's a structure in place there, yep. but she's a big striker. And in my ve- the ball. Yeah, know. in my yeah. very simple football mind, and I emphasize very simple, mm-hmm. you kind of want that big, strong body in there to try and head it in. So, Especially yeah. with the um, talent as far as long-range shooting yeah. that you have at the, at the ball. <laughs> I think, yeah, you, you'd want your, you want your number nine you know, in the box, you know, so, but look, I think at the end of the day, I think in summary, you know, I think, don't, I don't think we should get discouraged. You know, I think Perth are a very good team and score a lot of goals, you know, against yeah. all of our teams. I think, you know, what you put down to, you know, result and move on. And we do, yeah. we do know in the history of the W League, there can be some really high scores, but yeah. it doesn't mean that a team is bad. So and don't forget they did put up a similar, exact same score, 4-1 over Melbourne City. 
yeah. in week mm. one as well. So it could just be a case of coming up against a really good side yeah. early in the season yeah. when things might not be clicking just yeah. yet. Yeah. But I think they play Perth again later in the season, so it'll be a good. Yeah. Test. They'll get it. And, yeah. and and you think about the players to come back into the side as well. So yeah. look, oh, I think it's certainly you now it's just dis- dis- probably a little disappointing with the result, but I think there's still a lot to like about this side. And I think yeah. There were a couple of injuries to come out of the game as well. I think uh, Caitlin Torpy wound up having to come off yeah. injured. No word on that as yet. No word on that yet. And there was another one who I'm blanking on at the moment, but... The girl from Perth who broke her arm. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I forget her name, sorry, apologies for that. But. Yeah. Um, uh, Nikki Stanton. Nikki there, you go. there you go. We saw, yeah, because yeah. again on the replay, saw her getting treatment in the tunnel with yeah. the arm in a sling. And it was pretty, pretty horrendous, mm. so you know, we wish her all the best. Yes, even though she does play for Perth. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so some of the other results coming up from this weekend. City won the derby, 1-0. They could have won it by about four or five because Melbourne Victory barely got out of their half. Yeah. They it, were camped in their half for long periods of this game. It was Yeah, it was really good. And, uh, Steph Catley from Melbourne City once again was pretty yeah, damn good. Yeah. And uh, Look, you look at some of these games and you think, you know, the men's team's still struggling, but at least the women's team has... You know, yeah. really encouraging signs going forward. As we talked about on the Friday interview, where a lot of the girls in the W League, the Australians, they're coming into the prime of their careers now. So yeah. you are starting to see, you know, a lot of those players really so starting to take like step forward. a big forward. threat looking ahead to the Women's World Cup in a couple of years and the mm-hmm. next Olympics. So That's right. Although, actually, speaking of injuries, just want to go back quickly. Sam Kerr came off with a little, what looked to be a little bit of a quad strain. Yeah, I think they were selling it as, oh, just fatigue and all that. We'll have to wait and see whether it's actually something more since that. But she seemed pretty happy and content on the sideline at the end of the game. So, Well, I was saying to the people I was sitting with, I think if it was a 1-1 game and they needed a winning goal, she could have kept going. Yeah. But when you're up comfortably by that They've much... They've got the two big internationals against China coming up as well. That's what I was actually getting to. Available as as T.O. Palzeri said in the commentary on, on Fox, I think she was getting her recovery ahead of all the other guys. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, so Western Sydney 2-1 over Adelaide United, first win of the season for Western Sydney, and the Lady Reds are still winless. And Western Sydney are actually looking a better side this year than they have previously. They've struggled in the W League historically. They might be challenging a bit more this year. And then we've got Newcastle Jets 2-0 over Sydney FC. Jets 2-2, two from two, maybe the dark horse of the competition. And maybe Sydney will miss the finals for the first time in 10 years because they've made the finals every single year. And this year, the first two games, it doesn't sound like they're playing very well. We saw them against the Roar in the first week where the Roar outplayed them. And it sounds again like Newcastle outplayed them again. So. But as we were also saying about the Roar this weekend, Sydney's side is still very much under construction, yeah. waiting for some arrivals yeah. and whatnot. So the, it's a short competition, though. Play. You want to get your players... Yeah, you can't, can't spend too many more weeks on that. You haven't quite got the same margin for error that you would in, hypothetically, the English Championship no. <laughs> with 44-odd games. No, 46? Something like that. 46, yep. Yeah, don't worry, I can't do maths. All right, so round three fixtures coming up. You've got Adelaide versus Perth, Canberra versus Sydney, and Newcastle versus Melbourne City. But the game we're all interested in yes. is 6.30pm Queensland time at Marconi Stadium. The live stream is available on foxsports.com.au. Yes, the same way you watch FFA Cup games on there as well. And I believe you there's can also... watch FFA Cup games on foxsports.com.au. It works oh, intermittently. <laughs> it, it apparently works. It just, I believe there's also a Western Sydney radio station who does radio as well. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is. Maybe we should look into doing commentary for the W League. We should. Hmm. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, record versus the Wanderers. Played 9-1-7, drawn 0, lost 2. In Sydney, played 4-1-4, with three of those wins taking place at Marconi Stadium. One of which was last year too, by the way. 2-0 win last season. Yep. Took the words right out of my mouth. Okay. So, you're expecting a bounce back out of this game. Yeah, just a yep. 
Yeah, bounce back win here, hopefully. Yep. Uh, what is it? First win of the season. Uh, you feel like top to bottom, the Raw have got the better squad here. Yeah, they do. The, like, what, not to talk them up too no, much, but if you are looking... There's more Matildas players yeah, and high-quality yeah. players in the Brisbane Raw squad than the Western Sydney one, so you would expect them to win this game, but Western Sydney have been fighting hard. I wouldn't rule this out being a close game. I don't think it's going to be a comprehensive 4-0 win or anything. It's going to be a lot closer than that. And um, you think that Matildas contingent as well, they, they'll be up for it because I yeah. on the, just on the horizon is that selection for yeah. the China friendly. And they, I think any Matilda, you know, I think would want to be part of that, you know, given yeah. the fanfare around it. So Definitely. All right, so just quick predictions. I'm going to go for the Raw 2-1. I'll go 2-0 then. I'm going to 3-0 Raw. Beautiful. I would have said 2-1, but you took it, so I'll go 2-0. Yes, because we never make the same predictions. No. Ever. <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. Scott, what do you say we get into segment three? If you say so. Adam? If you insist. Yeah, let's keep moving. All right, we're going to talk about the news in this segment. And we're going to start off with one of the other stories that came out Saturday morning, which is Brendan White signed as a mature age rookie to, whether it's Back up or provide competition for Theo and Young? I like this signing, actually. It's a good reward for a player who's worked hard in the NPL side for a number of years. With Redlands United, of course, first up, he was their goalkeeper for their Magnuson Cup run. Then he went down to Victoria last year with Port Melbourne. I think it's great. Yeah. It's an opportunity. Why not? I mean, they have had that spot in the squad they needed to fill. And I think, uh, what is it, Tomislav Bilic has been moved on from that sort of Yo-yo role between this. Young raw setup, you're saying? Yeah, he's from he was taken out of that yo-yo yep. role from being the third choice A League keeper and yep. youth league option as well. So they did need another body to come in and uh, play. Yeah. Even uh, without yeah. the injuries, you'd need a third choice keeper if Champions League campaign kicks off next year as well. Well, you did see actually the you know the need for a third choice keeper yep. even in the warm ups on Sunday where Jamie Young was off doing his starting drills and someone yep. to play shot stopper for the yep. strikers warming up. Yeah, look, it's um, look, you know, good on for you know, fine to cracking the big time in the A League. Whether he gets any opportunities, it'll depend, you know, on injuries and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, but that you know, normally traditionally the the youth uh, team keeper is normally that number three, yeah. and you know, at the moment it's going to be Macklin Freak. I think Macklin Freak's going to be away a lot with you know, junior national team call yeah. over the season as well. So you want to have, make sure you've got someone available. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a, yeah, that's the sort of point we're going to make. That yeah, so it's a good sign, and and you know, let's hope it gets. No, in a way, you'd say you hope you hope he gets opportunity, but you know, then again, I'd love to get that's opportunity. A, yeah, but look, he's ca- he's a very very capable you know goalkeeper at the you know during MPL and whatnot. And as you said, Scott, he has proven himself against A League opposition when playing for Redlands. Exactly. All right, so uh, what have we got next? Socceroos preview. What's going on with them? What mm. isn't going on with them? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off uh, talking about, obviously, the Intercontinental Playoff. So after a 12-year absence from this part of World Cup qualifying, we're back in that just wonderful couple of days in November where the Socceroos have two games to try and qualify for next June's finals. They've drawn the North American fourth-place side, Honduras. I might have just written a preview for this for work. So. <laughs> uh, you can tell us all about Honduras, then. <laughs> They're the fourth place uh, North American side. <laughs> I, think, I hope I didn't refer extensive to, extensive preview. Then. I know. Now I'm just thinking. I didn't refer to them as South American side just out of habit, did I? Oh dear. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. Wars been starved less. <laughs> All right. So the first leg is in Honduras, which actually is going to work out traditionally well. You would yeah. think. 
Uh, first, like Saturday morning Australian time at Estadio Olimpico Metropolitano in San wow. Pedro Sula in Honduras. Yeah. Yes. So it's a 7.30 a.m. Queensland time kickoff. That has been moved forward half an hour from the initially listed. Well, uh, actually, I was going to say, I, I read something before. That oh, man, don't FIFA... tell me I've got to go and do some editing tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, the FIFA actually hasn't signed off on that uh, change yet. So... This is becoming more and more like 2005 yeah, by the minute, so... where the Uruguayans started mucking around with the kickoff time oh, the no, week before up, the game. Get up early Saturday morning. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, if you have time to go to your local cafe yeah. to get a big coffee before kickoff, do that. Yeah. It's uh, becoming more and more like the Uruguay thing every week, doesn't it? Where they keep mucking around with the and kickoff time and the yellow cards. and We are starting to hear a little bit about the uh, divine right to be there. Yes, we've heard that line come out from one of their former players. I forget his name now. All right, so let's talk about on the pitch. We know that the Socceroos are going to stick with their three at the back formation. First question I'd want to bring up would be Bailey Wright or Matt Yerman in centre defence? One of the three centre defenders. Yeah, I was kidding. Oh, well, it's not really because Mark Ryan Milligan is... Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, with Mark Milligan out, you're probably right. It's going to have to be... Um, Cause I'll it's, go with... Yeah, I mean, he played pretty well yeah. in the first... It's in the two free... games against Syria, he played pretty well, so we'll go with... Go with Matt Yerman, yeah, the former, Yerman. Raw, former Raw Championship winner, Matt Yerman. We'll go with that. <laughs> I think Yerman's probably the safer choice. He's more traditional... Yeah, you know, centre back. So, and I believe it was it was either John Cosmina or Adam Peacock on Fox Football were saying having that left-footed uh, yeah. player in the back three will be quite useful as well. Wing backs, I'd give Aziz Bayich a run because with the way he's scoring at the moment, why not? Why not? Exactly. Just this is a point because Matt Leckie is suspended, obviously, and so is Milligan, and um, I think Robbie Cruz is injured, isn't playing in the first leg either. So that does take out a lot of quick attacking options as well. Mm. It also limits your full back wing back options. as well. So I was getting to. Yeah. So you well, probably see Josh Risen on the right. Yep. Either that or Ryan McGowan. Oh, just stop bringing up Ryan McGowan, please. <laughs> How about Dylan McGowan? How about neither of them? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that then you've got a bit of an interesting dilemma in the midfield. I'd give my, I'd give Millet Ednak the start because oh, he's playing. He's yep. got you've got to have that sort of solidarity because playing at home, Honduras are just going to go for broke in this I game. I wish I remember who said this on Twitter, but they said for all all um, million next faults and lack of game time lately, if the Socceroos get a penalty on Saturday morning, there's you... no one else you'd want taking it, hmm. given the amount of big penalties he's taken over the years. Yep. So he, he plays for that he's pe- just experience your, alone. Like, you, you want that, that screening solid yeah. number six. And you know what? If Ange is going to persist with this three at the back stuff, you need competent defensive midfielders. And Mila Yednak, despite the lack of game time, he's, he's your man. Even if he can only play one game in this tie, you want him in that game. Yep. yep. And then you've got the ball player yep. Milligan, who, look, as much as we all rate him, he was pretty poor against Syria, yep. and I think he would want to atone for that. Well, he might play at centre-back as well, but anyway. And up front, the big question is, what involvement do you give Tim Cahill, who obviously sprained his I ankle? I don't know why they even sent him over there. I'm just... just uh, name value and a bit of shock. At a guess? Yeah. If, they, if they're if they trailing 2-0 in the 70th minute, they throw him on and hope for the best. If they're trailing 2-0 like, with 20 minutes to go, they they have to go for it. There's no choice. That's what I mean. Like, you, yeah. And then you've probably got Cahill and Rogic coming off the bench just for the hope of pulling out something magical yeah. because... Just we're going to move on quickly because obviously we want to keep the show running. Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't really. Oh, well, let me start again. I want to see them get out of this with I'll a one-goal deficit. Right now. I'll take a one-goal deficit as long as yep. it, they get an away goal. If they come back at two-one or even three-two, they're going to go to the World one Cup. One nil would just set it up like twelve years ago. 
So, yeah. But I, no, I hear your point. I mean, I'd take the draw right now. I, I'd take a draw as if well. If it's going to be a defeat, you want a score defeat for the away goals point you're making. And a one-goal deficit. Yeah. If it's two goals, even though Honduras, in the statistics, they actually don't travel all that well. Because if you look at their away legs, it's all been very short trips like you would find with a European nation. And the one time they did travel, they got pelted 6-0 by <laughs> the USA. And they're not even going to the World Cup. I do know you want to move on, but the logistically of this, it's interesting because I, 12 years ago, the Socceroos went to Buenos Aires for the week before and they turned up in Montevideo last minute to avoid all their antics. I'm just surprised they didn't do something similar this time. But for the second leg, the Socceroos have all the advantages. Even if they do trail by a couple of goals, yeah. they've got the charter flight out of San Pedro Sula two hours after full time and they'll be back in Sydney probably a good few hours before Honduras I, given the connections that they have to go through I even think 2-0 is manageable I hope not I hope that it's a draw or mm. you know heaven forbid we yeah. might even escape out there with a, with a 1-0 yeah. win That'd I wouldn't think it would be much more than that yeah. But I, I think we, I, we're heavy favourites going in the second leg it's just a matter how far we're going to have to chase it and to be honest I hope I don't see Tim Cahill on there because it yeah. means we're going alright yeah. yep. logistics for the second leg for Australia work really well with the charter flight they have Yep. All right. And uh, so, big question: Does Australia make the World Cup, Adam? Yes. Well, we're not. Yes, they will. Yes. We're not recording till after the second leg next week. Yes, that's they, right. Yes, they will qualify. I was going to say that teaser for the end of the show, but as okay, Scott fine. said, we're not recording Wednesday because, frankly, there's a much more important thing on. <laughs> yeah. We hope. Um, all right. So we're going to keep moving and talk about New Zealand's World Cup qualifier yes. very, very briefly because our own Dane Ingham's in the yes. uh, New Zealand side. So they play Peru, Wellington. Saturday afternoon Australian time, and then it'll be Thursday morning Australian time yeah. in Peru. Yeah, both games on BN Sports if you're interested oh, good. in watching it. So mm. I know what good I'm luck to Daningham on this game. It'll be interesting to see if he plays ahead of Storm Rue in that right wing-back role. But I think they've got an excellent chance here if they can get something in the first leg, because I was just looking through the Peruvian squad. There's only really a couple of names of value. Um, Jefferson Farfan's up front, but outside of that, it's a, it's a manageable game for New Zealand if they can get if they can get the goals in the first leg, that's the key for them. Yep. On paper, it's 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 the world number ten versus the world one hundred and twenty-two. So on paper, it looks like it's a full-on hope. Yeah. But I do give the whites a chance at least to yeah. keep this alive going going yeah. up to Lima. So and also they're going to need they might need a two-goal lead going over there. By the mm. way. Yeah, and also you know you want all six confederations represented yeah. in the World Cup, and New Zealand's the only hope for Oceania. <laughs> yes. Alright, uh, so just quickly, young raw trio, Aaron Reardon, Jay Barnett and Kai Truen are currently in Vietnam for the AFC Under-19 Championship qualifiers. They defeated Hong Kong 3-0 on Friday and they ran up the group stage tonight against North Korea, so by the time you're listening to this, you will know how they went. Right. Kim Jong-un says North Korea won. So okay, fine. there we go. But no, it's a disappointment. It's, it's good for the boys to be over there in one, so but disappointing in another, because Aaron Reardon would be a player you'd consider on the bench this week for the A-League, just yep. given the lack of defensive options and I don't think he's going to be back in time to be a part of that, unfortunately. Yeah, good go. luck to them over there. All right, so this afternoon, the Raw held a media call out at the new Logan training facility. So it's uh, hoping to move into that around about Christmas time, early in the new year. Early new year, I think, is what they were aiming for. So this is what was said uh, at the press conference regarding what's going to be at the facility. So what that $9 million includes is the um, A-League field that you see around you now, clubhouse, amenities, lights, but also public use on the uh, football Brisbane side, so people can come and enjoy this fantastic space. So happy taking questions. And yeah, I think it sounds quite nice. It does sound like a really good. We've seen the um, initial pictures that came out when they first announced it, what it was going to look like. And now it's starting. To... Now you can see what it is in 
reality, it's really exciting and important for Laura to have a home. And it does kind of sound like that's probably going to be a good base for, at the very least, youth league games going forward. I think so, but I think also as well, um, hopefully it's another sort of shot in the arm of confidence because I know the club has been you know copying it yeah. from all fronts. Even uh, I think it was Andy Harper a couple of weeks ago on Fox Sports saying you know saying that oh that the facilities are, are barely more dreadful, and even trying to link that to the form that the Roar at the moment. Now, to be honest, you know, it's well down the list of reasons, isn't it? Yeah, but then again, but then again, we won three training, we three yeah. championships on those same fields, so it, it can't be all that. But you know what? I think something shiny, something new. I think at least they'll get some something confidence. to call and their own. Well. There. Exactly. That's it's that's raw HQ. Yeah. Yep. You know? Uh, well, actually, speaking of Roy HQ, this is what John Aloisi was actually talking about, the benefits that that training facility will bring. But I want to say thank you to Logan City Council. We're excited to finally have a home. It's something that uh, since I arrived, uh, I was with uh, Dave Pure and he said, what's the first thing you want? I said, a home, a training ground. And, uh, and to finally get that up and going, I can't thank Logan City Council enough uh, because we've had to share uh, training fields uh, it's, it hasn't been easy um, to look at different lines from different codes on our pitch, different goals behind our goals. Um, but to have our, our own will be something special for us. And, and that's just the start of uh, Brisbane Raw growing as a football club because uh, it's been 12 seasons now and uh, we haven't had a home. And uh, so to, to finally get one is, is something, it's a step in the right direction for us. And it'll be nice for them to have a place to call home. You'd yeah, have to think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, like uh, there's a bit of sort of you know talk about you know down being at Logan and all that, but realistically, you know, it's it's part of Brisbane. Yeah, exactly. Right and in Brisbane. Yeah. Look, they took the opportunity to build the facility. Now, you can talk about you know maybe things haven't been invested as well as they could have been in the past, but at the very least, that's some sort of commitment. And there was also the quote today about getting the rent. I think for a dollar in Vince yeah, Rigari's story. Yeah. A dollar per year, which is a mm. great deal, really, when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a phenomenal deal. Yeah. Will, I, will I pay the bill in 25-cent coins? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But look, and then again, those, those are sort of who are carrying on about, you know... Yeah, about all being all the way down at Logan. You know, I live on deep in the north side, so that's gonna be a long drive for me. But you know what? Good on them. You know, where where's where's the almighty Brisbane City Council? They're there, we're there. Yeah. So good on Logan City Council for supporting I'm sh- the. I'm Raw. sure they did consider options in the Brisbane City Council area, and obviously didn't come to mm. to party. And I suppose long term, also when you want to consider the debate of where should a stadium be built for the Raw in Brisbane, it does kind of highlight the lack of a decent centralised option right now. So just quickly, one last story we want to touch on. It was reported this morning by ESPN UK. Ange Postacoglu is interested in or being considered for the vacant Rangers thing. Um, Yeah. And then, Adam, how much credence are you giving that? Oh, geez, it's a decent decent source. Um, But but look, at the end of the day, you know what? The... Yeah, look, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, can, I can kind of see it because it's if he is leaving next week, so this is about the time you'd expect to start hearing what teams are interested in his services. And they did have the quote of potentially a free agent as of next week, although that does go in There's line. There's also a lot of Australian links to Rangers when you think yes. about it as well. Craig Moore must have put him up to it. Maybe. Perhaps. Oh, look, I think we all agree here. Ange is a fantastic club coach. We've seen him have success pretty much wherever he's been, so... Scotland's an interesting choice, so it's not really the league you'd expect to see his style of football in. No, but again, he's got to start somewhere, and 
while it's I keep a great club to go while to I keep there. while I keep making the Ange to Arsenal joke, I think he's they're probably going to have to build his way up. I'll, to, yeah. I'll take Ange to Everton at the moment. <laughs> Rangers and also are a club that's trying to get back to what they were after their own financial dramas. So notice how Scott didn't yeah. say take Ange over Jose. <laughs> no, no, I'm perfectly happy with the bus parking maneuvers at Old Trafford. It's got them in contention. Anyway, that's all right. The show. That's going to be it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to look at this weekend's A-League action. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review for this week. James Scott and Adam with you once again, and we are going to look at this weekend's A-League action. In particular, Brisbane Raw travelling to Etihad Stadium to face Melbourne Victory. It's Saturday, 6.50pm Queensland time kickoff, and the Raw's record at, Sun- at Etihad Stadium. I just said Suncorp out of habit. Yeah. <laughs> Wish it was at Suncorp. Yeah. Alright, so against Melbourne Victory, they've played 40, won 14, lost 18 and drawn 8. At Etihad, they've played 9, won 2, lost 5, drawn 2. This season, obviously, they had the 5-1 win in the FFA Cup round of 32 at Perry Park, which was... Yep. Not a fun night for all no, involved, especially no. three days before a wedding that you're trying to plan. <laughs> I still can't believe I was allowed out of the house that night. <laughs> I thought you going to say you can't believe you got married. Yeah, a lot can't of people be, say that yeah. about me. <laughs> but let's not go into yeah. that. Both teams are going into this game winless. Who would have thought that? And also, who needs a win more? Look, I, I think the Raw need to win. Oh, actually, yeah. Now, now, now I think about that a bit deeply. I, I think, yeah, this is... I don't think either team needs it more than the other. I think they yeah. both need this 100%, and there's no excuses here for either team because they're both out of form, they both lack fitness and fluidity, and they're both missing players. So there's there's a big chance for one of them to get their season up and running because they're both right now 9 and 10 points respectively outside of the top two where they would want to be. There's no excuses for either of them here. Mm. They and both need to win as badly as one yeah. another. And right. as we've said the last few weeks with like the Raw... Yeah, they are growing as the campaign yeah. goes on, but at some point you've got to turn that into results. And look, you've got a vulnerable, wounded Melbourne victory side who are going yeah. to be missing, off the top of my head, what, five players? Barbarusis, Milligan, Troisi. I think Broxham might be out injured and Mitch Austin suspended, so that's five right there. But they also get back Bessar Brisha. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem with this week. Barisha, who was, of course, keeping fit with the run in the early races at Flemington yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> He's no Corey Brown, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you've got a, as I said, you've got a vulnerable side coming up. For me, it's almost got to be the, like, it's almost got to be this week because you're missing, what, Dane Ingham, obviously, yep. but everyone else is going to be, who's fit, he's going yep. to be available. There are no new injuries. That we know of yet. Mm-hmm. There's still two days of training to go. True. But uh, who would you, well... I suppose first question is who plays at left back. See, this is the this is the really interesting selection of the week because if it's um if you go with the obvious candidates, um, Connor O'Toole is a player they've put faith in over the last eighteen months' development. It's his natural position. You would say he would be the obvious and logical choice. But then there's Jacob Pepper who played at left. I think can't remember if he played left wing back or left centre back in a back three at Olympic in preseason. So he's got experience on the left side of defence. I would not at all be surprised if John Lewis he goes for experience and puts Pepper in. But personally, I would play Connor O'Toole. No I would, consideration I would play O'Toole. to Matt Mackay? No, I don't think you can change the midfield too if, much. If uh, Thomas Christensen was fit, I'd say yes. But without him... You, you don't want to risk having yeah. that 
Oxborough and Pepper or Oxborough and Coletti yeah. or you don't Pepper want and, yeah. you don't want to try and cover another position by weaking another. Yeah, and I think exactly moving moving Mackay to left back. You know, yeah. Look, personally, I think um, I think Jones he needs to put some faith in Connor yep. at all. You just you just never know. You just never know. Even if it's a one yeah. one time deal, the team could do with some useful yep. and useful enthusiasm at the moment. So. And, and just thinking back into recent history, the Raw had that two two draw against Melbourne City at. Amy Park last year where City were playing was a 15-year-old left back. Who, right back. Right back. Yeah. One 15-year-old fullback yeah. who really stepped up and kind of... Didn't I'd he like Thomas Broich that night? I think he might yeah. have, actually. We, we're talking about Stefan Negro, aren't no, we? No, um, Dylan Piraeus. Oh, yeah, Melbourne sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't... No, I was Stefan Negro might be oh, on the Oh, no, no. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I was, I was actually out of the country, so yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Ah, that's your excuse. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Stefan Negro might play this weekend, but anyway. Yeah, well, hmm. that's it. you've got... So I suppose you've got uh, keep going back to the vulnerable yeah. victory side, really, but you've still got to. Try See, they and would say the exact same thing about us if we listen to the victory podcast. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, was it for Vuk's sake part of the? Yeah. DFS I wanted family? you to say it, not me. Oh, there you go. I wanted you to Ching. say it. I had to make sure that I uh, mentioned the v, v instead of the F. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, let's. I'm just trying to look through these players here. Obviously, yeah. Bess Arparisha. How would you try and handle him this week? Well, it's... Aside from tying his shoelaces together. I think together. that Jade North and Avram Papadopoulos would have the experience to deal with him. Mm. But back to the raw selection. I'm really interested to see if there's any other changes to the side because John Lewis has mentioned in the coach's call, selection will be based on performance and not reputation. And if that's true, there's some players in the attacking third who might... who probably should be on the bench this weekend. Well, what stood out for me on Sunday, I don't know if this got on the TV broadcast, Adam, was the fact that you got towards the 70th, 75th minute and you started to see a few of the, yeah. let's say, older players starting to really struggle to get back and yeah. uh, make Week it back. Six. I'll, I'll, say, I'll ask a question, and no, it, no, it wasn't obvious, but yeah. obviously, you know, chatting with you yeah. guys, you know, obviously on um, chat, you know, yeah. yeah, it was. So if you can, you can tell that, you know, they, they were sun around staying and not pushing us forward as much. So that, that is a big problem. But then the again... The fitness question you're asking. It's the fitness, yeah. Should, week, going into week six, we're almost one third of the way into the season. Should that even be an issue anymore? I think you're starting to see a real... like I suppose the downside of having mm. Ben Kalfala injured for pretty yeah. much all of pre-season. Bortiak not joining the side yeah. until three weeks into the yeah. season. Um, Macarone probably still working himself into playing shape. Brett Holman's yeah. coming off an it's injury. It's a perfect storm of in like, the worst case scenario, but... But it shouldn't be an issue at this point anyway. The one thing that kind of jumps out for me right off the bat is the fact that you've got like you've got your two wingers, Bortiak and Ben Kalfler. That combination was starting to come together on Sunday, yes. but I feel like they're almost too similar players. They're both a little bit more playmakery, whereas last year we had that really good balance of Thomas Broich as a playmaker on one wing and Brandon Barillo as an out-and-out athlete on the other side. And you don't really have that sort of out-and-out out athlete. McLaren is that sort of athlete as well. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking more in There's terms almost of... almost four players that are almost the exact same sort of type of player. Yeah. I mean, include Macaron and Holman as well. They're all basically the same sort of player. And I, and I feel like they're not quite working their way in to make full use of yeah. that at the moment because you don't have that player that can run at defences and stretch them out, which does mean you're able to condense the space. I, th- I still think they're trying to figure out that, that front four... Well, I think it's the best front four we have. I still don't think they've figured exactly. out the best way to score goals, to sort of to attack, you know, and whatnot. It seems the words, you know, disjointed, lack fluency. There, yeah. and look, I think that I think it's a perfect explanation. But I think it's also well, you got four players that, as you said, are very, very similar in nature, and they've, they've, they've got to figure out how they're going to do it together, like as as a unit. 
And on this point, this is um, we'll talk about players, young players in the first segment. One player who played in the first two games and hasn't been back since Ramadak Bari. I thought he looked really sharp in the first two games. I agree. I think he should be on the bench this weekend just as a complete X factor. As a what? If, what if, why yeah, not? If mm. you need to chase a game in the last twenty minutes, throw him on. Well, because he showed he could create things in the in that time. So my question is actually a little bit around Petros Kapetis, who, wait, he sort of came to the club as a striker, didn't he? Striker slash, I think it's more of a wide striker is his best position. So, if you're just looking to change things up, and this is nothing yeah. against Brett Holman, but if you want to try and mix things up a little bit, and you want to keep that. Uh, Bortiak and Ben Calfuller combination working, would you consider maybe moving Holman to the bench as an impact sub yeah. and trying to play two strikers up top with Macaroni setting things up for uh, Scapettis to run in behind? You could go with Scapettis in that role. You could go with Nick D'Agostino in that role who can look shown they've, can yeah. drop into that number 10 as well. I think that's a perfectly reasonable But idea. you don't play him necessarily as a number 10. Instead, no. you actually try yeah. and play him as a second striker. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. That... That's just my sort of way of, if you are going to change it up a little bit. I think where we're learning here is that, and like I, I sort of agree with the theory, the only thing in my mind that I say why it can't work is because we're missing Thomas Christensen. I think we're realising how important he is to this, this side. And with him injured, things aren't working. You know, he, he's someone who can control that midfield. Then you can push players forward to create that, that false number 10 and you know, to play through the strikers. So I think this, this is where a lot of our... I think a lot of the problems we solve once Thomas Christensen is actually fit again. And I believe he's a week or so away from being he's healthy. He's been two mm. weeks away for a few weeks. Obviously. Yeah, which is a bit of concern, but... Mm. Well, we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. All right, so we're going to finish off with uh, looking at the other game. So we've got Central Coast Mariners, Sydney FC Friday night. There's only one winner here, as well as the Mariners are playing. Yep. Uh, Saturday, Adelaide United and Newcastle Jets in the early game. I think... uh, Look, I think Jets will win, but I think a better performance than Adelaide. I think it's a good test for Newcastle, actually. They've had a couple of easy-ish sort of home games lately, and this will be a good test for them to see if they are that good. All right, and then the early Sunday game is Perth travelling all the way over to Wellington. And I'm going to guess a late Andy Keogh or Adam Taggart winner because that seems to be Perth's MO so far this off season. This season, game. that'll be more interesting. And then, <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then quickly, <laughs> Melbourne City versus Western Sydney Wanderers. Look, oh, this will be this will be an interesting game. This one, you also have um, Gombau's debut. Yeah, and uh, yep, but I, look, I actually think Western Sydney. Yep, I think this will be this will tell you about Melbourne City's resolve and if they are a transformed team or just the same old Melbourne City we've seen in the past. That's right. All right, now we're going to get on to our tips for the Brisbane Raw game. We're going to start off with Adam. Uh, I'm going to go one all draw. Scott? I cannot see Brisbane going down and winning this game. I okay. just cannot see it given the form they're at the moment, even with victory's problems. You know I'm the gonna, routine. We've got I'm going to go 2-0 to victory, as much as it kills me to pick them. Yeah, I can't believe you're picking the Raw to lose. I think that's absolutely disgraceful, and I'm picking the victory to win 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak that in, yep. Of course. All right, so that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thank you. Good to see you again, James, Adam. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, uh, Brisbane Football Review, Twitter, at Raw Review, and email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. One of those. Yep, and as always, we've got the fan cams as well. Are you still hosting those, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) We had a good one this week. And also, we'll be back next Thursday to recap the Raw's game in Melbourne and also to talk about the Socceroos hopefully qualifying for Russia 2018. I'm not coming if they don't qualify. Oh, God, we're going to have to do a really mad scramble for you. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll see you later.